How was everyone's day today? Good? Good? I know that uh, this morning I asked for some highlights, but uh, let's hear some highlights from today. Anyone got anything? Green team is in first. Yeah, what about green team? Yeah. What? Yeah. Who's in second? Red. Nice, nice. Who, uh, who played paintball today? Oh, a few guys. Anyone got any nice welts or bruises from that? A few? Was anyone tough and wore like shorts and a t-shirt out there? Couple, yeah. That was me when I was in high school because I thought I was so cool. And then I just realized that it was a dumb idea and I should have worn a sweatshirt. And uh, yeah, that's what, that, that's what I did when I played paintball. What else? Anything else awesome happened today? Oh, you did vertigo? Who did vertigo? Right there, yeah? What, uh, yeah. That's nice. One, give me one more good thing that happened today. In the back. Busted your knuckle playing paintball. That's a good thing, all right? I think that's a good thing. So, uh, hey, who can remind me what we've been talking about for the last couple days or last couple times we've been together? Jesus, right? And our theme is what? 2020 vision. And we've been talking about what it looks like to see God clearly for who he is and, uh, and we have a memory verse. We have a theme scripture. Who wants to come up and share it with us? Who knows it? Right there. Did you come up this morning? All right, not you. Who else? Right there. Come on, right there. Yeah, black shirt, right here. Come on. All right, brother. What you, come on up here. What's your name? Christian. Christian's got it for us. For God so loved that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him give it up for him awesome awesome so this morning we started breaking down John's 3 16 and 17 right and this morning what we were talking about is that in order to understand this in order to have 2020 vision in our lives we first had to understand who God is, right? So this morning we talked a little bit about who God is, and then we answered that question, why does God so love the world, right? He said everything else was good, but then he created us, and he said it is very good, and we were talking about how much God loves us. Well, tonight we're going to be breaking down another part of this verse. So it says this, for God so loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now this part of the scripture communicates to us that there's there's kind of a problem in the world, right? It says that 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 we need to be saved, that we 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 will perish if something doesn't happen, right? So God has to send his son to save us. And and who can tell me the reason that we need saving? Anybody? It's one word. Sin, right? And sin is an interesting thing. We're gonna go back to the beginning. This morning we talked a little bit about Genesis 1-1, and in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And we know the creation story, and God ended up creating man, right? And Adam and Eve, they, they, they were set in the Garden of Eden to rule over it. And what happened was there was one tree in the garden that God said, you can't eat from this tree. You can eat from any other tree in this garden, but do not touch this one. And we know the story, right, that, that the serpent, Satan, comes, and he begins to deceive Adam and Eve, and they end up eating from the tree that God told them not to. And it was that moment right there that changed everything. 
that in that very moment, sin entered our world and it changed the trajectory of our world forever. From that moment, mankind has been separated from God. And now it was sinful. And there's a gap. Let's talk about that word sin for a moment. Sin is actually a term that's used in archery, right? And if you've ever shot bows or if you've ever done archery, there's a target, right? In the middle, the goal of archery is to hit the middle of the target, basically, right? You have to hit the bullseye. Now what sin is, is sin is any distance from that bullseye. When we miss the mark, when we don't hit it in the middle, when we don't meet the standard that's been set for us, that's what sin is, and that's how sin works in our lives. That when God created us, he created us perfect and whole. But because we were born into a sinful world, but because we're born into a world that, that, that has created us into these sinful people, we can't meet up to the standard that God has set, the standard that God has set for us. And that's called sin. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that sin is something that we can't escape, right? Scripture makes it clear that, that every person who's ever lived has sinned. But one, right? But one, and we know that that guy is Jesus. The thing about sin is that there's nothing that you or I could do about it. Born into a sinful world, products of a sinful world. There is no good work that you can do. There is no good deed that you can do. There's no, no amount of days that you can string together without screwing up big time that's ever going to bring you closer to God. So we needed a Savior. Something needed to happen. And we know that that's Jesus. Now what I want to do with the rest of our time is I want to I dig into a story in the Bibles. And so if you've got, or in the Scripture, if you've got your Bible, turn to the book of Luke. Turn to the book of Luke. We're going to be diving into chapter 15. Again, if you don't have a Bible, run to the back real quick, grab one. They're available for you back there. Luke chapter 15. When you're there, give me a thumbs up so I know. Luke chapter 15. chapter 15, yep. We're going to be looking at verse 1, alright? Here we go. We're going to read this. Here we go. Luke chapter 15, verse 1, it says this, And all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to Jesus. The Pharisees and the scribes were complaining that this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Remember that. That's going to be important for where we're going in a little bit. Let's jump down to verse 11. This is the parable of the lost son. It says this, Jesus also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that I have coming to me. So the father distributed the assets to their sons. Now, I don't know if you guys know what just happened in those few verses right there, but basically what takes place is a son goes to his dad and he says, Dad, I, I wish you were dead. Yeah. Crazy, right? The son goes to his dad and he says, Dad, I wish you were dead. Why don't you give me everything that I have coming for me when you die? Give me my inheritance of what you have. And the dad doesn't, it doesn't say in the scripture that the dad fights it. It doesn't say that, that he kicks the son in the booty. 
doesn't say anything, right? It says that he divides his assets among his sons. Now, I know in, in my family, if I went to my dad and said this, well, my dad would bend me over his knee, and he would give me the worst spanking of my life, all right? That's just how my family works, okay? It doesn't matter how old I am, 22 or whatever, my dad would give me the worst spanking of my life. But this father, he just gives his, give the son his assets. Let's jump down to verse 13. It says this, Not many days later, the son gathered together all that he had, and he traveled to a distant country, where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck the city, or struck the country, and the man had nothing. Verse 15, He went then to work for one of the citizens of that country, who had sent him into the field to feed his pigs. He longed to eat his field, the carpet pods that the pigs were eating, but nobody would give it. Now, if you've ever read this story, if you know this story, it's easy to look at the son and to be like, like, what are you doing? Right? He goes to his dad, he asks his dad to give him his inheritance, and in just a few days, after not long, he, he's gotten rid of everything. He's lost it all. He's spent everything that he had. And us sitting here today, right, in the world that we live in, we can look at the sun and be like, what are you doing? Like, how dumb do you have to be to do this, right? But I think that we make a mistake in reading this story. I think somewhere along the line, we have forgotten or ignored or just don't want to believe the fact that the sun in this story is every one of us in this world. That the son in this story is me, and it's you. That every day we make decisions, that we basically look at God and we say, I don't want anything to do with you, I'm going to go do things my own way. But in the son's moment of despair, we can read this story, and we can say, dude, what are you doing? Right, so it isn't something that, that we've learned along the course of our lives. It's not something that we've grown into. We were born into a sinful world. This is at the core of who we are. This is our nature as human beings. That we have hearts that are that are, are quick to run from God and everything that God has for us. It's all good. Romans 3.23, I just read it. It says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we can read a story like this, and it's like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? Like, why would you ever do that? Again, remember, this is us. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we were all dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sin against God, but Jesus had something to do for it. It's so easy to point the finger at the Son. In his time of despair, in his time of need, in this time of giving in to the temptations of the world, and we say, what is wrong with you? I heard, a, I heard a pastor say this about temptation one time. It's tempting. You guys ever, yeah? Temptation is pretty tempting, isn't it? Yeah. So I don't know, does anyone in here fish? Anyone like to fish? All right, so I like to fish for bass. I don't know if you guys know what that is. It's a fish. Um, all right. Um, but when I go bass fishing, this what, what I do is, is I get my pole and I tie on a lure it into the water, and you know, ideally I throw it in front of the fish, right? And I bounce it anywhere, and, then, and I do my best to lure that fish to bite whatever I've got on my line. And if that's not working, I reel it in, I cut it off, and I tie on a new one, and I cast that out there, right, in hopes to catch this fish. 
and I'll do that over and over and over again until I've tempted the fish enough times that it bites. Friends, this is what Satan does. This is what the enemy does. You see, he's always on the prowl. He's always lurking, ready to attack, ready to jump on us in our moment of despair. So often we forget that this is our story too. Just like the sun, we're tempted and we're tricked and we fall into our sin. Let's look back at the story. Verse 17, it says this. When the son came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more, more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up. I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. Hey, I've done this, all right? When I know that I've screwed up, Right? When I was, like when I was in high school and, and I knew that I'd stayed out past curfew or, or I knew that I disobeyed my mom in a way that my dad was going to be not happy with me when he got home. I would, just, I would start my, my apology, right? I'd start rehearsing my apology and I would know exactly what I was going to say as soon as I walked in the door and saw my dad. And that's what the son's doing here, right? He begins rehearsing. I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. He, he realizes that he's messed up. He realizes that he's screwed up, that he's missed the mark somewhere, that he's done something bad, and he knows that he has to go to his dad and he has to own up for what he's done. But watch what happens in the story. Verse 20 says this, so he got up and he went to his father. And while the son was still a long ways off, the father saw him and he was filled with compassion. He ran and he threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him. The son starts in and he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called one of your sons. But the father told the slaves, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. But let's celebrate with a feast, because the son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he was not found. He began to celebrate. This is my favorite part of the story. Maybe my one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. See, when the sun was still a long ways off. You guys know what that means? That every day that sun was gone, you can picture it. The sun leaves his dad. He takes everything that he has and he runs to a distant country. But while the sun was still a long ways off. You know when I see things that are a long ways off? Every morning and every evening and every time that his dad gets a chance, he's on his front porch, he's at the end of his driveway, and he's looking into the distance, waiting for his son to come home. Day after day after day. He didn't sit on his couch and well, if he comes home, that's cool. He was out, he was looking for him waiting, expecting that his son was going to return one day. And when he sees him far off in the distance, it says that the father ran to him. He ran to meet him. Understand this, in this culture, Jewish men didn't run. Now, I'm not joking. This was, this was an extremely humiliating thing for a man to do. Especially a man of status. These guys did not run. 
his dad was so overwhelmed that he had seen his son coming home in the distance that he pulled up his robe and he began to run down the road to meet his son and he gets to him and he throws his arm around him and he hugs him and he begins to kiss his son because he's so happy that he's home and in this culture this dad this father had every right to kill his son for what he did the son disrespected their father in this way. If he was to return, it would have been the norm for the son to be stoned on something. The father runs down the road and he embraces his son in a hug and he yells to his servants and he says, quick, bring up the best robe. You notice when, when the son runs through his, his apology to the dad, it's longer than what he gets to say when he you can imagine that he gets to his dad and his dad hugs him and begins to kiss him and he says, Dad, I'm so sorry for what I've done. And his dad, it's like he said, shut up, son. It's like he put his hand on his mouth because he didn't need to hear the apology. He didn't need to hear his son's excuse for why he did what he did. He was so overjoyed that his son had returned that he wrapped him in a hug and he yelled to his servants, quick, bring the best robe bring sandals and put a ring on his finger for the son of mine was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. Did you guys know that there wasn't a single thing that the son had to do for his dad to embrace him in this way? The dad didn't even want to hear what he had to say. His dad's hug wasn't followed by a, you got a lot of work to do to pay back what you took. kiss wasn't followed by a you're right, you're going to be a slave in my household. He kissed him. He hugged him. He welcomes him back. The father brings out a robe and he wraps him in it. You can, you can imagine that this, is the story says that the son had been living with pigs. That he didn't have any food to eat. He was so hungry that he longed to eat the food that the pigs were eating. Imagine how gross that is. And in his sneaky, rebellious, messy state, the father hugs him and he wraps him in a robe because the son had returned home. Maybe you're sitting here tonight for the first time. God is beginning to open your eyes. You're beginning to see clearly, number one, who God is, but number two, your rebellion against God. Maybe this weekend God's been opening your eyes to see that there's a need in your life that you need met. Or maybe what's been keeping you from coming home is fear of shame. It's fear of, of judgment, right? If people know what I've done, and if I choose to go home, what are they going to say about me? What is God going to think when I try to come back after everything that I've done wrong? stayed away because of the fear and guilt and shame that we believe to be followed. I'll just tell you this tonight. That is a lie from Satan. That is a lie from the enemy. That when you choose, when you make a decision to come back to the Father, there is no guilt, there is no shame, there is no judgment. It's open arms, it's hugs, it's kisses, and it's a robe wrapped around you. Did you guys tonight? 
every single day. Our Father in heaven has been on his porch, looking down the horizon, waiting for you to come home, waiting to see you walk back down the road, ready to come home. And when he gets to you, there's no work to be done. He loves you. He's going to embrace you. He's going to hug you and kiss you. He's going to wrap you in a robe. Why was that robe so important in the story? Because the father didn't want his son to be seen in his messy, dirty state. When the father brought out the nicest robe, he wrapped it on and that signified that he was made whole. That in that moment, the son came home, he was restored. That he was pure, he was made right, that he didn't owe anything, that he was brought back in just like he never left.
you've got an opportunity to make that decision tonight. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open this up, and I'm going to ask you to do something that might be a little gutsy. It might make you feel a little nervous. But if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus tonight, if, you wanna, if you're saying, man, I am so ready to come home to the Father, would you just stand up right where you're at? You're saying, man, I have ran from God for so long. But I'm ready. I'm ready to come home. Would you just stand? No shame. No judgment. Yeah. Can we clap for this? Friends, we know that the Bible tells us that when one comes home, heaven celebrates. And the applause that we just gave is weak compared to what's going on in heaven right now. Can we praise, can we celebrate what Jesus is doing tonight? Can we give it up for these people who are being brave to say, man, I'm ready and I'm coming home. Friends, notice this. These are now your brothers and your sisters in Christ. And it's now our job to walk with these It's now our job to walk with these friends, to encourage them, and to push them to Jesus. We're not meant to do life alone. Jesus has always said for us to do life in community. You guys can have a seat. Maybe tonight, you're like, man, I've, I've walked with Jesus. I've been a Christian for a long time, but... But even though I've been a Christian, I haven't been living like that. And tonight I want to rededicate my life. If that's you, and you want to make a new commitment to Jesus, to say, God, I want to do it right this time, would you stand with me? Yeah. Friends, let me tell you this. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter how far you've run, what country you've run to. It doesn't matter what sins you found yourself in. That tonight you're made right, you're made whole, you're made perfect with Jesus Christ. That he's wrapped you in a robe and he said that no longer will you ever be seen by your past again, but you're made a new creation. Tonight your eternity is sealed with Jesus in heaven and that's something to rejoice about.